Friends in Christ, whose voice do you listen to in a time of chaos and darkness? Sorry? (laughs) Facebook. What a great voice to listen to. Yes. Very helpful. Jesus in his passage in this passage in John 10 talks about various different voices <clears throat> that we can listen to. He talks about the voice of the shepherd and he talks about the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy but the sheep actually run from the thief because they do not know his voice. In a time of great anxiety and chaos, it's possible to go one of two ways and to listen to one of two voices, to let one of those two voices dominate, either the voice of the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy, or the voice of the shepherd, the one who loves his sheep and is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. There are copies of the sermon back there. Um, Looks like Tim is going to grab some of those and hand them out if you want. In ancient times and actually still in modern day Israel, the role of the shepherd is very different from that of a drover in Australia. Okay, when we think of a drover and we think of images of sheep in Australia, it's guys on four-wheel bikes who are kind of rounding up the sheep with their dogs and herding them in front of them, aren't they? In ancient times and still in the Middle East today, the work and the voice of the shepherd is very different. What's the, what's the root of the word drover? One who drives the sheep, right? Who pushes them in front, who harasses them from behind and, and sort of makes them go somewhere. But I'd like to share with you a lovely little uh, story from a wonderful book called Sitting at the Feet of Rabbi Jesus. This is about how Middle Eastern shepherds in Jesus' time and still today lead their sheep. Shepherding in Israel is a wonderful metaphor for the kind of discipleship that Jesus talks about. In many countries, sheep spend their lives in fenced-in pastures where they spend their time grazing and milling about. Many Christians seem to think that the Great Commission is a matter of getting sheep into the pen, inviting people to accept Christ the high point of their spiritual lives. In Israel, however, where grass has difficulty growing in the soil, sheep must know their shepherd, following him obediently from pasture to pasture. Their shepherding is a much more active task. Judith Fain is a doctoral candidate at the University of Durham. As part of her study, she spends several months each year in Israel. One day, while walking on a road near Bethlehem, Judith watched as three shepherds converged with their separate flocks of sheep. Imagine that. The three men hailed each other and stopped to talk. While they were conversing, their sheep intermingled, melting into one big flock. Wondering how the three shepherds would ever be able to identify their own sheep, Judith waited until the men were ready to say their goodbyes. She watched, fascinated, as each of the shepherds called out to his sheep. At the sound of their shepherd's voice, like magic, the sheep separated again into three flocks and followed their own shepherds. Apparently, some things in Israel haven't changed for thousands of years. That's the wonderful kind of image that Jesus is talking about here in John 10, where he says, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. 
I'm going to read uh, some of those verses from John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, 1 to 10 again. The Lumo Gospel went a little bit further into talking about uh, the other I am statement of Jesus, which is I am the good shepherd. But Jesus says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. All right, there's that image. He calls them by name. He knows each sheep individually. He calls them by name, leads them out. The sheep also know the voice of their shepherd. Apparently, sheep in Israel are not as dumb as sheep in Australia, or maybe it's because of the way that we treat them. They're much more like personal family pets that have been known since birth to the shepherd. But Jesus says... The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'd like to suggest to you that at this time of national and global crisis with coronavirus, that it's possible to concentrate and listen, either in faith and trust to the voice of the shepherd, or in fear and panic to the voice of the thief the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, of course, in Jesus' uh, picture here, stands for the ancient enemy of God and mankind, Satan, the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe that the enemy at this time would like to steal our peace and confidence, destroy our trust in God, and get us to listen to the kind of voices that the Israelites in the reading that Margaret gave us listen to. Is God among us or not? Does God really care? Surely he doesn't because bad things are happening in the world. And if God's not in control, then by heck, I'd better get some kind of control. I actually think that is the basis of what's happened with Toilet Paper Gate. I think that it's in a time of anxiety and crisis, it's one of the very small things that people can control. How much toilet paper I have in my house. And then the mob mentality kind of takes over as well, doesn't it? Everyone's nodding their head or shaking their head and going, I just don't get it. Why are people hoarding toilet paper? I don't know. In toilet paper we trust, maybe. It's some small measure of control. It's so easy at a time like this to listen to the voice of the enemy, to let the thief steal our peace and confidence, destroy our trust in God, all because of the possibility of sickness and death. It's so easy to focus on what to be anxious about rather than on the voice of the shepherd and the safety that he gives to the sheep. You may have heard it said that we are in unprecedented times, but I want to reassure you that God is not in unprecedented times. And the coronavirus outbreak really only makes very clear and explicit what has always been the case. It makes very real what most of us spend most of our lives trying to avoid and deny. And I'm sorry to put it so bluntly, but it, the truth is this. All of us are going to die. Unless Jesus returns, all of us are going to die. We are not in control and we never have been. Now, 
God can use a time like this. God can use a time where the reality of our own mortality is actually impossible to escape. And God can use a time like that to turn people away from their trust in other things which cannot save, like how many toilet paper rolls you have stored up in your pantry, and turn our attention and our voice to him who can save us. You see, the reality of our own mortality is not the final word. And particularly for us as Christians, we know that Jesus has overcome even death itself. Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome the devil who tries to speak to us to get us to focus on the anxiety rather than on God's presence, on our mortality rather than the life Jesus gives us. So an unprecedented time like this can be used by God to turn people away from their idols, the things that they put their trust in that do not have power to save, and turn them to faith and trust in God and towards others in generosity of spirit. So Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who enter through me will find safety or will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I want to show you a picture of a Middle Eastern sheepfold. What do you notice about this picture? One entrance. There's no gate. There's no gate. Could pick up, David. What else? What's kind of on top? Sharp rocks. Yep. They used to actually put a barrier of thorns on the top too. And so there's only one way in, really. I might have to... I don't know, but I might have to turn there. So given the shape of the pen... What is Jesus saying when he says, I am the gate for the sheep? He's the bodyguard. Where can thieves or wild animals get in through? Only through him. Jesus is saying that he is the one who puts his life on the line. He puts his body on the line in order to ensure the safety of his sheep. And when you think about it, that flows right into what Jesus says about being the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. There's always another way. Jesus lays his body on the line for our safety, for our peace, our nourishment, and our life with God. Now, it's important to recognize that we're not saved from trouble by Jesus, but through trouble, like it talked about in the Romans passage today, that even suffering and hardship is used by God to form us and shape character in us. In John 16:33, Jesus says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Jesus is the gate and you are his beloved sheep. And if you enter through him, you will be saved and you will find safety. It doesn't mean that you won't get the virus. It doesn't mean that people around you won't get the virus. But it means that through all of that, God is still in control and you are held in his hand. I want to share a quote with you from someone in the persecuted church, a Christian in Pakistan, who was facing a threat that was much more immediate than the threat of coronavirus is to us right now. On Easter Sunday in 2016 in Pakistan, family, Christian families were celebrating Easter in Lahore Park and extremists detonated a bomb in the midst of the Christian Easter worship gathering. 75 lives were taken and 29 of them were children. A Christian mother of two said, We celebrate Easter knowing that at any time a suicide bomber can come and disrupt our service, our worship, our praying. Then I think, will it really be disrupted? Or will I be sent into the fullness of worship? What an incredible response, hey? Complete trust in the one who has saved her and who gives safety. And then it goes on to say, no matter the earthly outcome, we know that God has already won the battle and that all glory, honor and praise belongs to him. Though our lives on earth may end, our worship never will. And that's what it means that Jesus is the gate for the sheep, the one who gives safety and who saves our lives no matter what the outcome. So what does this mean? It means that we can confront and face and approach the reality of our own death with confident trust in Jesus, who put his body and his life on the line on the cross for us. Entering in through him into the presence of God means that we know that we have salvation and that no one can snatch us from the Father's hand. What's the worst that can happen? Maybe I will die and be taken into the fullness of worship in the presence of God. The worst that the enemy can do is not enough to snatch us out of the Father's hand. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's John 10.10. So in a time of great anxiety and chaos, which voices do you listen to? If we as a community are shaped by the reality that Jesus is the gate for the sheep through whom we come in and go out and find safety and pasture and nourishment and the presence of God, I think that that will shape us in a way that will help us to focus on the voice of Jesus rather than the voice of the thief who wants to steal, kill and destroy. I believe that it can help us to confidently acknowledge the reality of our own mortality and also the very strong truth that Jesus has overcome the power of death. It will help us to turn to God in faith and trust and to others in love and generosity. You see, if Jesus has come to give us abundant life, then we don't need to hoard stuff for ourselves, do we? Even our care, even our love, our concern, our prayers for people... We don't need to turn inwards because Jesus has given us abundant life 
and we can generously share that abundant life with others. I want to finish my sermon by leading you in a, an ancient Christian practice which has helped myself and many, many people down through the ages in times of anxiety to listen to the voice of the shepherd. Um, this practice is called breath prayer. And it's, it's just a practice of using uh, words of scripture along with breath as a kind of a continuing in and out prayer in the presence of God. So I'm just going to lead you for a couple of minutes in this. Um, and then I've uh, posted on our Facebook page uh, some more uh, ideas for, for breath prayer. Um, modern psychology has told us that controlling our breathing is one of the ways that we can actually lessen the impact of anxiety in our body. But when we combine that with praying the scriptures, it can really help us to focus on the voice of the shepherd. So I invite you to close your eyes and simply become aware of your breathing, inhaling and exhaling. You don't actually have to have your eyes closed uh, to do breath prayer, by the way. I do this sometimes when I'm driving uh, or when I'm walking or whatever the situation may be. Now, as you breathe in, I invite you to um, sub-vocalize or to think the words, Lord Jesus Christ, and then on your out-breath, Son of God, and then on your in-breath, have mercy on me, and on your out-breath, a sinner. If you want, you can substitute words like child of God in that last one. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, child of God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a child of God. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a child of God. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the gate for the sheep. Thank you that all who enter through you can find safety and good pasture in the presence of God. Thank you that you have laid your life on the line so that our lives may be saved. Help us always to trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Gary, would you lead us in singing Jesus Strong and Kind? It's funny how you never really think about things until you start thinking about them, if you know what I mean. Because... Because this message, like I've always thought of the the sheep pen as a destination, not as not as a place of safety at night time when the predators come. So it's kind of it's made my universe a little bit bigger. Mm.